Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is Heather Barron, and she's the founder of Luminous Life Coaching, a ceremony celebrant and officiant. Heather supports women in feeling their wholeness more fully. She designs and facilitates online courses to make life coaching more accessible and affordable to women who want soul support for their personal journeys. You can find Heather at luminous-life.com. Welcome, Heather, to Women Who Sarcast. Yet again, you're becoming a regular on the show. (laughs) Hi, Kath. Hi, everybody. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for joining us again. So what does it mean to be your own best partner? That is a great question as we're leaving the month of January very soon. Feels like it's been going fast and heading into Valentine's month that it's become. I think there's already stuff everywhere where it's already for Valentine's Day, right? It's good. I can get some discount candy that way, but (laughs) (laughs) but being your own best partner, I think about this um, when you and I were talking about the podcast, just that uh, funny, I don't know how many of your fans are Parks and Rec fans as well. But when we were talking about potential topics, I was like, well, instead of Valentine's Day, we can talk about Galentine's Day, which um, with Parks and Rec, there's a character in there. And she goes through a period of time where she's not having the best success in her love life. And she decides to appreciate all the women in her life. And so instead of Valentine's Day, she has Galentine's Day. And in talking about that, I was thinking about how we have these great connections with other people, whether it's romantic or it's a friendship, but we don't talk as much about how to be the right kind of partner to ourselves so we're actually ready to partner with other people. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of things um, make it so that we just have failed relationship after failed relationship. We feel abandoned sometimes, things fall apart, we abandon others. Um, And I think so much of that, as I've been working with women for the past dozen years, so much of that I've started to notice is connected with how we partner ourselves. And if we partner ourselves, most often we haven't learned how to do that very well. And so we're always looking for someone else to help us feel good or help make us happy or help us feel whole. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you complete me is the joke, right? And it's not always a joke. People really do like, I need to find my other half, my better half. Um, the other piece of the puzzle. The other piece of the puzzle. You know, and the whole mythology around the gods being funny and, you know, we had our soulmate connected to us and they were getting bored because we were all so happy. So they split us off from our, they split us in two and we've been searching for our other half forever. And Really? I never heard of that story. To laugh at. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard of, Liz Gilbert wrote a book called Committed when she Mm -hmm. was struggling with the idea that she was going to be married (laughs) again and uh, she had to get married for legal reasons. And um, so she did some research on relationships and why this seemed like such a hard thing and why was it such a big deal to get married? Um, And she talks about that, that that's a a long myth in Greek mythology um, Hmm. that, that the gods got bored. So they split us in half and, scattered us to the winds and then watched us make a bunch of mistakes trying to find our other half to complete us. 
Does and that stand for gay people too? <laughs> well, I, I, they didn't say it was was gender related. They just said split down the middle. So you know, they didn't talk about genitals. So <laughs> that's whoever your soulmate is, Cass. All right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so we go around trying to fit people into that, like plug them in to be that other half. And it's Mm -hmm. that idea that that's how we create so much drama. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking in terms of um, partnering with ourselves, that once you know your wholeness, then you're not trying to complete yourself with someone else, which is a lot of pressure to put on another person, by the way. Um, right. A lot of us don't want that pressure put on us. We're all looking for somebody else to make us happy. Well, guess what? So are other people. <laughs> and that's a lot of pressure to have. But when you come from that place of wholeness, because you are tuned into yourself, you're tuned into what your needs are. When they're not being met, you know how to meet them. Then you can meet somebody else at the place of not putting that pressure on them and then sharing your lives side by side. And sure, you mm-hmm. take turns, you know, like one of you stronger, sometimes one of you's funnier, sometimes one of one of you, like in my case, is a chef and one of you doesn't like to cook. That's very complimentary. <laughs> it totally <You> know? is. <laughs> I love doing dishes. It's great. It works. It's a good um, balance. Right. But we're not expecting somebody else to do that to make us happy or feel whole. It's coming from that place of, okay, I know what my shortcomings are. I'm not looking for you to fill those or complete them or fix them. I'm just looking for somebody who can honor that I need time to take care of those sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to make you laugh, but sometimes I'm not going to be able to do that. And you're going to be okay with that because that's not why you have me in your life. Right. That's not my purpose for you. And so how do we become that partner? You know, how do we learn how to partner ourselves in a way that we're not always seeking outside of ourselves for somebody to do that? And we take that pressure off, then you can figure out, you know, when you're using somebody to make you happy, that's not really relating, Mm -hmm. that's using people. And that's what a lot of us do in the world. We use people, you know, and when they stop serving that purpose of making us happy or giving us a sense of purpose because they need to be rescued and we want to rescue people. Um, It's not always that we're looking for somebody to make us happy, but whatever we feel we're missing, trying to make somebody else do that. So um, being your own best partner is all about becoming aware of what those things are, where we try to seek somebody else to fill them. Mm -hmm. So becoming aware of that and then learning how to take care of ourselves in a way where we can meet our own needs. And it doesn't mean that we are not able to accept help from other people, because that's a really important thing to learn, to let people help us, Mm -hmm. let people give to us, just like we will give to them, you know, in different ways. But we're not going from that place of lack, that place of scarcity. Instead, we're moving from that place of wholeness, And so there are different things that you can do to be your own best partner. And there are certain things we do that get in the way of being that as well. So, Yeah, I was going to say that negative self-talk definitely is one thing that can be a barrier to partnering with ourselves as well as finding the right partner. What are signs of negative self-talk? 
Well, just like we wouldn't want to be with somebody who's berating us all the time, you know, that like, tearing us down. I don't know down. why. I mean, I know, that build crazy, character? right? <laughs> <laughs> um, just like we don't want somebody who's constantly criticizing us. We can never do anything right. And we're always, you know, failing them and missing the mark and whatever. Mm-hmm. Just like we don't want others to treat us that way. Um, one of the signs of negative self-talk is that that internal voice is berating us. It's critiquing us all the time. Or like, oh, that was stupid. You know, really, right. that's what you said? Really, that's what you're going to wear? Really, that's how you're going to be? Do you really want to eat that? I mean, you are getting a little fat. You know, do you like that internal tape that just goes and goes? That is negative self-talk. And you talked about it getting in the way. Well, often, if that's who we're hearing inside our own heads, no wonder we're looking for somebody else for their voice to replace that for us. Right. And at first, when the chemistry is (laughs) right, all we want to do is say nice things to each other, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you got to impress the people. Right. 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 You got to be on your best behavior. Usually we're attracting somebody who's also looking for somebody to fill that space in our heads because of other, you know, the other person's um, negative self-talk. So that nice and giddy beginnings of love, it feels so good because it's like a break from that. Oh, you look so beautiful. Or, oh, you're so strong. Or, wow, you are just so clever and funny. Those are the voices that we want to be hearing internally. So when we can find somebody externally who will do that for us, when we haven't figured out how to do that for ourselves, mm-hmm. often we will sacrifice a lot about our, our authentic selves to keep that voice in our life to replace the one inside our head, right? So we start to make these compromises where we start kind of sacrificing things that maybe we actually care about. Maybe they're actually important But it's such a relief from our own internal negative self-talk that we will sacrifice things that really matter. Which is why you try not to compliment someone so much in the beginning. Which is why you try. Is that your your advice? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like try to say some negative negative things just to see if they (laughs) stick around. (laughs) Like I don't want to be, I mean, I don't want to be over the top nice to you because you might like me for the wrong reason. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, that's why you should be yourself right off the bat. You know, you need to just be who you are and not try to be something you're not. Right. Well, that's definitely advice for going into a relationship because, you know, eventually that will come out. And yeah, your dark secrets will definitely come out eventually. (laughs) So it's just best Uh to just get straight to it off the bat. Nip it in the bud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. See if it sticks. Come on. (laughs) Right. See if they can handle it. If they can't, well, guess it wasn't meant to be. Yes. Yes. And if we were having a conversation about how to find your best partner, (laughs) that would be really good advice. But this, I mean, you know, this really is about that sense of how do we how do we lessen that self negative self-talk? How do we quiet it a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, I've found in my own life and working with clients that it's not about killing that voice. It's not about getting rid of it, rid of it. It's about differentiating ourselves from it. 
that mm. those internal voices actually are not personal. They come to so many people in the world. Right. And they are very unoriginal. They're and telling it's your ego, basically. Right. Trying right. to sabotage you. Yeah, that inner critic and the itty bitty shitty committee that <laughs> right. that likes that to we run around, around with too. the inner critic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that those little voices of comparison and, you know, oh, victimhood or blame of others or whatever, those voices, they're not from our truest self. Mm-hmm. And so as we learn to differentiate who we are authentically from those voices that are coming in, like almost even I tell people to like, give them a face, give them a cartoon, give them something. You can talk to them, give them names, sit down, Susan. That's what I told somebody that I call my inner critic now. All right, Susan, Susan. sit down. (laughs) Nothing against Susan. (laughs) I have a lot of Susans I love, but that was just, you know, that was the name of the game. (laughs) I was just like, okay. Between Susan and Karen, right? (laughs) Nancy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Negative Nancy. Negative Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It just it just makes it one step removed so that if you don't start laughing at that, which really helps, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just like, yeah, that voice is just always there, but I don't have to listen. I don't have to follow through on what it's telling me. I don't have to attach it to my identity. This is just these voices that are always here. So how can we shift negative self-talk to a more kinder, gentler version of our itty bitty shitty committee (laughs) I love that like making them your cheer squad (laughs) like, well they're gonna be in the car just don't let them drive stick them in the back give them some baby carrots and some crackers yeah give them some (laughs) pom-poms you know some good music to put them to sleep so you can just carry on with life right Um, I've found that when uh, you know when you think about kids there are some people that can just be mean to kids for sure but I think, you know, when you think about how you would talk to a child who just doesn't know something, you're just like, you're not going to call them a freaking idiot for not knowing how to tie their shoes at the age of three. You know, they're, you're not going to be critical of them. And so thinking in terms of, and if you need to think about your inner child or you need to think about, uh, you know, a child that you have that you love, how would you talk to them? Mm Mm-hmm. And starting to translate that into referring to yourself, like when you have a hard day, just talking to yourself through, okay, this is what I saw that you did well. This is what is going right. This is what we're going to find gratitude for. You know, I think we've talked about this before that the power of gratitude in so many successful people's lives, gratitude is so important. Right. Um, So taking that time to like, okay, let's just find something to be grateful for. It can be anything. This is a stupid exercise, whatever. You can even have all those voices going at the same time and Mm -hmm. slowly starting to realize what we can be grateful for and finding that and then softening, like softening how we're thinking about our lives, softening how we're thinking about ourselves, taking a deep breath and exhaling all the way so that our shoulders drop so that we're not carrying all that tension and stress. I'm doing that right now. 
Good. Yeah. I invite everybody to do that. Take a nice deep breath in. And as you exhale, like letting those shoulders drop and letting wherever you're sitting actually hold you. And I know we've talked about this where you just feel yourself being held. That softening, it tells you that it's okay to let your guard down. And Honestly, what I've found is that that anybody shitty committee is all about like we've got a protector from you know undo her own undoing. You know, it's mm-hmm. like like if she's going to be a pushover or she's going to be taken advantage of, and we're going to get in there and you know just put that armor her. up, right? And and it's hard. You carry it. It's in the rigidity of your shoulders. The you know the way you hold your jaw, um, that tension in your neck, the way that you're like not breathing deeply. And so when you take that breath and just soften and allow yourself to feel what it is to be held by the surface that you're on, you don't need somebody else to do that. You can feel yourself being held. That softening starts to tell those inner voices, it's okay. I'm taking care of us. Mm -hmm. And I know that kind of sounds like, (laughs) you know, you're having multiple personalities, but really (laughs) you're just softening in to take care of everything that's trying to tell you you have to armor up for the world and taking those moments of pausing and reminding yourself that it's okay it's safe to be in myself Mm -hmm. it's safe to be here I'm not going to abandon myself I'm going to stick with us and we're going to keep growing and it's okay to be gentle with myself muscling through life is not a way to be a partner to yourself When a negative thought comes into your mind, what's one tool to quickly like snuff it out? Mm, That's such a great question. Rather than resisting that thought, like I was telling you, we don't need to kill these inner voices. What works for me is I take it, I take a deep breath in, I close my eyes and I say, I hear you and I've got this. I'm taking care of us. And then there's nothing to push back against. You know, you can almost just picture that, whatever character you've given it, just curling up and going back to sleep. It's okay. I've got it. Yep. I hear your fear about what might happen if I say yes to this person. And intuition comes from a very different place. So there's a difference between danger, like actual danger, that you need to Mm -hmm. be alert to and fear. Fear usually comes to our head of just like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. What if this happens? What if it goes this way? And you just get into a tailspin. Actual intuition of there being danger will hit you in your gut. Mm -hmm. But if you're stuck in your head and you're only listening to those voices, you can't feel if there's actual danger. You can't feel if there's something you need to be alert to. So this softening allows you to drop in to yourself, to drop in. It's safe to be here. And you drop in with your breath, with softening, with feeling yourself being held. And then you can tune in to see, is there something that actually I need to be alert to? Or is this just fear running off with me like it does? Or is this Mm -hmm. just my inner critic who runs off? Depending on your personality, those overarching voices may be different. Well, and it's probably best that you do that, like an inner conversation. (laughs) You know, if you're in the middle of a street and you're saying, shut up, Susan, you know, out loud, that might be a little, you know, startling for people walking by. Although in in the the Bay Area where you live, people are used to that. (laughs) 
What are you trying to say? It's a good way to be left alone. That's because up where you live, there's more animals than there are humans. So this is true. Animals don't talk back; they just run away from you. Yeah, we walk around talking to ourselves all the time up here. No, you're talking to the animals, really. Right. It's true. But you're right. You know, you want to find the right space and just creating that space. You can create that space in your car on your lunch break. You can in traffic, like you need to keep Mm -hmm. your eyes open, obviously, (laughs) but you can still have that sense of dropping into yourself. And and Mm -hmm. does that make sense when I say that, like that dropping in where you're inside of yourself instead of so your energy is just so out in front of you because Mm -hmm. it is like armor. And so it's like you're sending that energy out of just like, you know, stay away. I'm protecting myself. And we (laughs) armor up in that way where, Mm -hmm. you know, you can usually, unless you are actually in a dangerous situation, you can drop into yourself. Culturally, everything tells us that we have to be on, you know, high protective level all the time. And so if we don't tell ourselves it's okay to like come into ourselves we're in that reactionary mode to everything and living from that place of fear a lot so what are some ways we can create healthy relationship with ourselves um there are a few really fun ways i'd i'd say to start with fun um and figuring out what it is that you actually like a lot of people have never figured out what they actually like in life, mm-hmm. what their preferences are. They've always based them on who they're spending time with. And that right. can be friends just as much as it can be romantic partners. Um, and so they're always looking to other people to tell them what they like because, you know, why waste a lot of energy figuring out what you like if you're going to turn around and give that up to be with somebody else you're trying to get to complete you? Right. So in partnering with yourself, one thing that can be really helpful is actually like taking a period of time and saying, I am not going to be open to relationship during this time, which can be very challenging for some people. Uh Um, But actually committing a certain amount of time, I did it for six months. I got to the end of the six months and liked it so much. I was like, I'm signing up for another six months. (laughs) And I met, I met people during that time. And I was like, you know what? I really like you. And this is not the right time. I'm in a special time right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I mention that is because it's so easy to just barely touch on learning how to partner with ourselves. And then somebody comes in because they're attracted to the lightness that's coming through because we're taking time to get to know ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we get kind of thrown off when we're right about to hit that sweet spot of learning about who we are. And the universe is like, let's throw this person and see what happens. Yeah, some people Test. call it being tested. <laughs> Test. Do you really see how want strong that she really is. Really? <laughs> um, but I found, like, you know, we talked about the, the inner voices really kind of feeling like they need to protect us. Well, as we get to know ourselves, there is this sort of trust that gets built with that where they start to get quieter and quieter because you become trustworthy. You are going to watch out for yourself. You are not going to compromise the things that matter to you just because somebody makes you feel good. You are actually, you know, doing practices that support you being inside of yourself, which is where you're going to feel your intuition. Mm -hmm. 
And so as you become trustworthy, building that relationship with yourself, those voices don't need to be so hyperactive. Right. And, you know, as I've worked with clients and they've learned that, it's amazing. They see it over and over again of like, I never, I never imagined I could go for, you know, even a day without some sort of inner critical voice just like showing me how I'm just such an idiot. But as they lean into this sense of learning how to partner with themselves, those voices start to quiet. And it really is amazing to see what can come from that. You know, what you won't put up with anymore. And you don't feel bad saying no. Like right, as you start exactly. to develop those capacities, you don't need that negative self-talk. <laughs> Not right. that you need it now anyways, but but it seems like maybe it has been serving a purpose because we have not been true to ourselves. And so to turn them into your inner cheer squad, you need to start learning to take care of yourself. But starting with the fun where you're learning what you love to do. You know, do you love to play the drums? Do you love to ride your bike? Do you, what is it? Is it sunlight on your face? Is it sand between your toes? Is it sitting on your couch and reading a book for an hour uninterrupted? Is it taking a hot bath? And so one of the things I've been doing a lot this year with people is having them create three lists. And it's amazing what surprises them from their lists. These are mm-hmm. women who are 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they did not know this is what they liked, <laughs> which is mind-boggling. But they took we the time. <laughs> right. Right, but they took the time to make the lists right. and really think about exactly. what they want to do and what they like. Yeah. yeah, and this is something that's so simple, and it should be running lists these three lists if you keep them either in a notes in your notes app on your phone or on your mirror where you can scribble it each day you can add some more um it helps you to start paying attention to life as it's happening and how it's affecting you and so the three lists that i have are the list of what delights you so something that like you know just kind of tickles you a little bit when you see it of like oh my gosh that's hilarious or oh that's so moving so oh I just feel so delighted by seeing that tasting that smelling that hearing that um what delights you the second list I ask people to do is what restores you what we're learning is that everybody truly is so different that what they think restores them what they think is self-care often is not restorative to them what's an example of that so, you know, we talk about me time and we talk about like self-care and, and so sometimes just that like I've had a really long day and I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to binge watch this show that I really like. The writing's really great. The characters are awesome. And I love that it just kind of whisks me away from my life for a little while. And I watch it and when I'm done watching it, I feel awful. Hmm. So I don't feel restored. But that was me time. So learning... And there are other things, too, where it's like, well, I just always meditate and people start to realize I hate sitting still and meditating. And actually, I've been trying this for two years and it has done nothing for me. And they end up going out and hiking instead. And they realize that movement is very important for them to feel restored. Right. Whereas somebody else, movement would be like, you know, they go to the gym for two years and they hate going to the gym. And it turns out they love yoga and lying in Shavasana in the corpse pose at the end, because for them to feel restored, they need to move less. 
Mm-hmm. So everybody has these different needs, but because we look to magazines or social media or gurus to tell us this is what you should be doing for self-care, we haven't learned what we actually enjoy and what we what actually leaves us feeling renewed rather than just doing the thing that is supposed to work. So as you as you start to create these lists, they start to grow, they expand. Like, wow, I didn't know that going and sitting in front of a painting at a gallery for 20 minutes is one of the most relaxing things I've ever done. Now, it depends on the painting, of course, but, <laughs> but just like that somebody wouldn't know that. Instead, they'd always gone and you just go from painting to painting to painting. It's like, wow, well, you know, culture, yay. <laughs> um, and other people like that just feeds their soul so much. But just mm-hmm. trying different things out. And, and making note of them by adding them to the list or removing them if you think that that's something you should be doing. And then the third list is your playlist. Now, I don't mean just a music playlist. And I don't. <laughs> and I delight can sound like play and you will have crossover on these lists. But learning about how you play. You know how I feel like playing? Like I want to lay on my back and float in a lake. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I want to do nothing You know, I want to lay there and look up at the sky and look at the clouds or I want to be in a hammock or I want to just read that I play. I feel so much like, oh, my gosh, this was the best day ever after I do X, Y and Z. What is X, Y and Z for you? And if you're in a partnership with somebody and you've never thought about this, what you might think is play is that every time it's Saturday, we take the kids to the beach and we use the kite and we body surf and we do all this and you're exhausted by the end of the day. Right. And you get resentful and you go through these things and then you start to beat yourself up. And this is where those, that negative self-talk comes in. How can you be so frustrated after a day like today? Do you know how many people don't get to do that with their families? Do you know how many people would love to have the freedom to play like that? Instead of the question of how do you play, and actually um, a friend of mine, we were talking about her birthday, and she said, you know, I, my husband, when it was my birthday, I woke up he goes, okay, so for your birthday, how about we go to the beach and we do this and we do that. And, and it sounded like just such a great day. And then I realized that's not how I play. And it's my mm-hmm. birthday. right? And I want to play the way I play. We don't play the way I play because we want to be good parents. And her mm-hmm. husband loves being really active. That is how he plays, but that's not how she plays. Right. And she had the most relaxing day and she ate the most delicious chocolate cake and she did exactly <laughs> what she wanted to do. And she was like, I played today. So making a list of what playing is to you and, and again, letting that grow over time. Maybe you try something new and you're like, oh my gosh, that totally felt like playing. I'm putting that on my list. And that's just it. I mean, you need to kind of try things out to see if it's something that resonates with you. And if it doesn't, ditch it and try the next thing. And I think a lot of people are afraid to even try something, whether it's new or not. Sure. Because they don't want to fail or, you know, right? waste their time if it doesn't work out. That right. sort of thing. And time is really precious. You know, that that is something that it's a non-renewable resource. <laughs> and you want 
I, I get that. You want to protect that. Th these lists can actually be quite, quite small. And you just start to notice over time things that maybe you do want to try. You know, you can try a lot of new things. If you're looking to just experience what delights you, restores you, and how you play, if you just sit down and start to draw or journal out some things that you have tried in your life and whether you liked them or not, why you did them, was it because of someone else? Mm -hmm. Why did you keep doing them? Do you want to keep doing them? You know, and just go through the activities you do in your free time. If you just write those out and start to ask yourself, how do I feel when I am getting ready to do this activity? How do I feel during it? And how do I feel after? Right. If you respond, oh, I loved that, then it delights you. And it's probably a way that you play. If you respond, wow, I just felt so relaxed after that. Or felt refreshed, rested, then that restores you. And that's one way to start building those lists without going out and doing anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just go through what you spend your free time doing. So I have a question. Okay. So when you're single and, you know, footloose, fancy free, <laughs> you know, our issues that we think are pretty much taken care of. They seem to be kind of a be dormant right? when you're single mm -hmm. and you made your lists and you're making yourself happy and you've quieted that voice, whether it's the itty bitty shitty committee or some negative self-talk. But then once you start dating, and I know this is about becoming the best partner for yourself, right? but eventually you're going to have to get out there and date. I mean, I guess you don't have to, but no, eventually actually. it happens. <laughs> Universe drops that person in front of you. Right. <laughs> but once you start dating and actually you get into a relationship, it's like those issues bubble to the surface like Godzilla coming out of the water. Right. So, you know, why is that? Right. You got you got the answer to that, Heather? Well, from what I've seen is just you bring that person into your life and they hold up a mirror. So, you know, those things that you can't see because you're looking outward, but you're not getting yourself reflected back to you. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just reflecting those back to us, right? And and learning those buttons to push. And that's the beauty of relationship, actually. It's <laughs> is that, is oh, that the you beauty, can't, is it? You okay. can't escape yourself. You know me, I'm all about growth. So that is the beauty, <laughs> beauty of and relationship the beast. is that you can't, you can't escape yourself mm -hmm. when you're in a relationship that goes beyond a few dates. Because you'll start to notice how the things I do end up being quirky towards someone else and that rubs in the wrong way or that just doesn't work with their life or, and then you have to ask yourself like, okay, so is this something I want to hold on to? But a lot of those things come from not, not being partnered with ourselves when you're truly partnering with yourself. So I say, start with the fun and then you can go deeper. The going deeper part, which is why I said like, it's best if you can give yourself three to six months of like, I'm not going to date during this time. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to do it so that you have the time to get beyond these lists and to go into that deeper partnering with yourself. What are the things? What are my, my triggers? What are the things that get me? And is that ego? Is that personality? Is that 
you know, a childhood story? Is that some stuff that I haven't worked out? Okay, so now how do I deal with that? Because you are going to take all of that into a relationship. So if you want to carry all that by yourself, awesome. If you want to carry all that into a relationship and try to have something healthy, you you might might need to look at that because those are the things that that take it in. Yeah, life's been so great. You've gotten to focus on yourself and you only did the fun part. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And those things are going to come up. And, you know, just like they're going to come up for the other person. Because that that is a big part of why partnership is important because growth doesn't happen in a vacuum. And when you're able to just surround yourself with everything you like and not anything that you don't like and not have to do the hard work by yourself, you're not going to grow in that way. Yeah. I mean, and there's only so much growth you can do by yourself. By yourself. Yeah, exactly. And even though you've worked on yourself for however many months, years, the person that comes in is definitely going to trigger some stuff. Right. And it, you know, is that old onion, you know, <laughs> the layers. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, there's so many layers that you can do yourself and then somebody's right. got to help you with the other. Right. And you're going to cry. You're going to cry. Gonna Let cry. me tell you. Just- because onions make you cry. So. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and when you're when you're tuned in more to yourself, you can feel when that stuff starts coming up because it has a very different flavor than that sense of being partnered with yourself. Mm-hmm. It comes with fear. You know, we don't want other people to see these things, right? But mm-hmm. if we don't want them to see them, then we need to actually be working on them to figure out, well, why, why are these sticking around? And then as you build that sense of self-compassion, that softening, I even, I, I tell people all the time, I'm a tactile person, so this doesn't work for everybody, but I take my hands and I place them over my heart. And when I am just like raging like a two-year-old toddler throwing a tantrum because things are not going my way and I like things going my way and I like being in control, (laughs) which in relationship, you can't do that all the time, right? Um, But even just by myself, I'll take my hands and place them on my heart and just feel like just place them on my chest. Like just feel the sense of being in touch with myself, literally of like, I'm here. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to be okay. And just that gentle talking to yourself undoes a lot of that critical talk. Yeah. When you're just freaking out, it's like, it's okay. I know, I know I'm right. I, there was a, an instructor I worked with who, she was an Aikido master, this fiery Irish, she was raised 11 kids, Irish Catholic. Oh my gosh. And she was the youngest and she had to fight for her voice to be heard. And she says, yeah, I can relate so to that. Fiery. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. You sure can. <laughs> and so she would, she, but she became this Aikido master who is just very respected around the world. And she said, she takes her hands and she puts them on her heart. She's one of the people that helped me learn this. And she says to herself, I know, Wendy, I know you're right. You're right. And you'll always be right. But you'd rather be centered and loving than be right. Mm. And she takes a deep breath and breathes into her hands that are, you know, that are holding her and just relaxes. I don't need to be a fighter right now. I don't have to fight for my existence. I exist and that's enough. 
And so when you start to develop that sense of talking lovingly to yourself. And yes, this is possible for everybody. I have worked with some people who would be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, airy fairy lady. <laughs> you know, like you and your woo-woo new old, old or new age bull malarkey. <laughs> like, and then they feel it. And this is true for men as much as it is for women. It can be a little bit harder because they're not usually given cultural permission to be in touch with their feelings. And so it's Mm -hmm. a lot harder, but that sense of shifting the conversation with ourselves before we try to go out there and have conversations with others can really help because then you can start to notice when that is rising up in you and you are about to lash out at this person you want to think you are wonderful. (laughs) When Mm -hmm. you notice that rising up, you have that felt sense of your hands to your heart and that feeling of, I want to be centered rather than right. I want to be kind rather than right. And you've been practicing that with yourself. When that ugliness starts to rear up, when you enter into relationship, you actually have a felt sense of how to drop down in, take a breath and let it go in the middle of it happening. You don't say the same ugly things from that place of fear and terror of somebody figuring out and finding out your darkest secrets because you've been nurturing yourself that it's okay that you have had those and that you are working to grow through them and you've developed that self-compassion and it can really help in that moment. Well, and I think the more we hear ourselves talking to ourselves lovingly and kind and soft that we get used to it. It's almost like hearing your voice like I am right now. Right. It's like you aren't used to it and you don't like how your voice sounds. Right. But the more you do it, the more you get used to it and it's easier. It's easier to digest and easier to to face and accept. Yeah, and to love even. Yeah, absolutely. Love yourself. Yeah. I encourage the listeners to make your lists <laughs> and shut down Susan and her negative talks because, <laughs> you know, she's not the president of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee. You are. <laughs> and you get to decide you get how to people talk, car. how you talk to yourself. <laughs> right. You get to drive that car. <laughs> That's right. The car of your life. <laughs> Well, thank you, Heather, for being on the show again. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Yay, I am too. This is so fun, Kathy. This is on my delight list for sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. Let's hope that never changes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) So far, so good. So far. Oh, good. So go find Heather at luminous-life.com. Contact her. She'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbassiani. You can find him at mikeimbassiani.com. Music.